You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. We're excited because we're going to do something a little bit different. And I love that we're a church that you don't never quite know what you're going to get on a Sunday. I think that's a good thing. You can never get bored at C3, I I think. And I've loved this series. We've been two weeks into our family-ish series. How many of you have been here the last few weeks and loved it? It's been incredible. And what's incredible about it is I think um, so many things I realize as a pastor or just a human doing life with other humans is we have some some real things that go on in families. And even a lot of the, the ish that people carry in there today is because of ish that they've experienced through and in their families yesterday. And I love that we're taking time this month to really just stop and, and pull back sometimes the curtain on some of those very real things that are happening in families and not just talk about them, but talk about how you can walk through them to the other side into victory. So there's this um, awesome scripture. You guys have heard it. It's found in John 10.10. Does anyone know what this one says? I'm a teacher. You're going to go with me. It talks a lot about, and I love this. Maybe we can put it up on the screen. It says this, the thief's purpose, which is the devil, is to steal, kill, and destroy. But this is the good news. And this is why we celebrate a God of the good news. It says, my purpose, which is God's purpose for you, for I, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Another version says it's life and life in abundance. And why I love that we are coming around talking about Ish and family today is I see that but one of the big ways that the devil steals from that rich and satisfying life, from that life in abundance, is through taking healthy families and turning them into places of dysfunction, places where generational curse can be bred. So I'm excited today to do a panel um, because of this. I'm going to one more verse before we get started today. is found in Revelation and it says this, that the devil is defeated by the blood of the lamb and the power of testimony. So today as we welcome our panelists to the stage, they're coming up here not just as experts in their field, but as three people that have incredible testimonies of breakthrough, of walking through some ish and coming out the side. So will you stand to your feet and welcome to the stage, beautiful Dr. Lisa, Desiree and Pastor Mike this afternoon. Incredible. And of course, Pastor Drew. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. Listen, I know it's a little bit different, but still do church today, okay? That means you're taking out your notebooks, you're writing down, you're hollering back. Come on, we're going to have a good afternoon in church this afternoon. How you doing, honey? I'm doing awesome. Yeah, you, you guys look doing good awesome. today? I look awesome. Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, you do. I've been trying to look awesome as much as possible. Well, you succeeded. Yeah, so. working on my face tan. and <laughs> He actually does that. He, he is specific about working on his face tan. Yeah. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a big thing. Anyway, let's move right along. Welcome to uh, to church today. This is a little bit different. We don't usually do this. Maybe you're wondering, is this like what they do every week? No, it's we actually have probably never done this before. But we but we had a lot of fun at the 10 a.m. service service doing this, and so I think we're going to have a, a great time again during the 12 p.m. And there's lots to learn from these three amazing people here today. It's true. So you might not know these amazing people, so let me introduce you. So maybe they could, we could throw over to them and they could tell you a little bit about themselves, like where they're at today. And then we're going to get into, you know, some of their, their past stuff. But just start us off where you're at. So Pastor Mike, you are an incredible pastor at our church. What more don't the people know about you? Uh, I am married to a beautiful woman named Katie. We have two kids. Uh, Zeke is three. Everly is almost two. Um, so we don't, we rarely sleep, um, just kind of living on fumes uh, for the, the past couple of years, but uh, love this church, been coming here about seven years, and um, just uh, just honored to be here with these beautiful ladies. Desiree? Um, my name is Desiree. I am married to the handsome man in the front row, Isaac, for a year. Come on. 
We've been married for a year and a half, a year and a half, and we met here at C3 at like a Connect Hangout. Um, find your spouse in the house. It's a very good. Come on, idea. tweet that. Tweet that. We have a 15-year-old son. I don't know. I don't know. My, cool put kids. on MySpace, you guys. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> We have a 15-year-old son, and if that math doesn't make sense, I'll explain it in a little bit. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, at the church, we, I over, um, I help coach the prayer teams here, and me and my husband are, are connect coaches as well. Incredible. Would we add homeowner to that list of things that you as, are as, as well? As this week, we are officially homeowners as well. Incredible. Oh, so Incredible. Good. That's so exciting. All right, Dr. Lisa. Yes, so I'm married to our British drummer, Adrian. And in fact, today is our 29th wedding anniversary, which is pretty cool. You'll hear why that's a miracle in just a moment. We have two kids who both serve in the house. Ethan is a college senior and Simone is a sophomore. And we are, they love God, they love their parents and they love our church. And again, you'll find out why that's a miracle in just a moment. <laughs> I love that. And then what about a little bit about us, honey? About us. About us, yes. Oh, gosh. Where do we start? How do we bullet point this? So we've been married for almost 13 years. We'll be 13 Check. years. Yes. December 15th. That's right. I know it. I know the date. <laughs> December 15th. 13 years of being married. Um, Emma always says, best 13 years of her life. Best 13 years she's ever had. And I'm like, yeah, obviously. But <laughs> and I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's been great for both of us. But uh, no, we actually met when we were about 17 or 18 um, at church, at youth uh, youth ministry was awesome, and um, yeah, find your spouse in the house, and we uh, I, we were good friends for a little while, and then I started to pursue Emma, and I pursued her, um, you know, as much as possible uh, within the law. Um, <laughs> Got a little creepy. You can break you can break the law through pursuing; it becomes stalking at a certain point. I was not that guy, but I did pursue her. Uh, for a long time, and uh, and she rejected me significantly for quite some time, uh, until one day when I decided, well, you know what, that's it, I'm done here, and so I just literally put up the wall and just uh, sort of ignored her, and then pretty quickly, um, <laughs> guess who comes crawling back? <laughs> so uh, she did. So Emma came crawling back, in case you missed that, and. Um, we got engaged not long after that and got married and we were engaged for, for a whole year. And if you're young and you think, oh, I just want to just have a long engagement to plan everything. No, don't do that. That's not smart. It's I'll terrible. I'll that, yes. Have a short engagement. And it's, planning a wedding is not a big deal, guys. It's just a ceremony and a party. That's it. You don't need to have like a whole year or two to plan that. Don't do it. Just helping some young people today. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, um, and we have two amazing children, Georgie and Jack. Yep, four and six years and old. They're, they're hilarious amazing. and awesome. They are hilarious and awesome, which is what I think that will be our panel today with a whole bunch of power in there. And I want to like kick it off um, and we're going to have each person share not just from what they know, but what they've actually lived through. And I love that at this church, that we don't just get people up here that, that know how to say all the right things or speak from a place of theology. We've got people up here that have, uh, are speaking from a place of having lived th some things that have been hard and come out the other side. You know, the Bible talks about, um, you guys probably heard the story of the, the guys that get thrown in the furnace and there's a beautiful scripture that yeah. said they 
came out of the fire and they did not even smell like the smoke. And that's because there was a fourth in the fire and that was Jesus. And when I think about these three stories of these incredible people, I think that's exactly what we have here. People that have been through some stuff, a lot of things you're gonna be really surprised that's in their backstory because today the person you see standing before you isn't someone that looks like they've been through a fire. In fact, knowing all of you as much as I do, you guys are the epitome of what I would say is healthy marriage, healthy parenting, healthy family life, but I know that wasn't always the case. So I just kind of want to open it up with you guys sharing your story and talk about maybe some of the ish that you had encountered earlier on and then maybe talk about uh, how you navigated that today, the fact that you do have a healthy family. How did that happen? Because it certainly wasn't from just replicating your experience through childhood. It was about some intentional things you did and didn't do that have produced the fruit that you have in your family today. So why don't we start with you, Pastor Mike? I know you have shared your story in a little bit, but it'd be great to get more into it this afternoon. Yeah, 100%. So um, I had a pretty wild childhood, um, kind of went, had experienced just kind of the full gamut of dysfunction that somebody could in their family. My, uh, my dad was an alcoholic um, and ended up having an affair uh, with this woman. My parents got divorced and so stayed with my mom, uh, kind of did the single mom thing for a good bit. And actually, three years later, my parents reconciled and actually got remarried. Um, and then uh, my, my uh, dad ended up getting really sick and through that got uh, addicted to, to really hardcore uh, pain medication, ended up overdosing and dying at 44. I was, um, I think I was 18 years old. And then after that, like dealt with my, my mom going through a bout of, of depression and, um, and, and being suicidal and, and, uh, and, and all these terrible things. And then actually seeing her be restored. So it's just kind of been this wild, like kind of seeing the lowest of lows, but then also seeing God do some, some really cool restorative things. And so I think, um, you know, for, for Katie and I, my wife is, we're, you know, one of the, the, not having a healthy family to kind of look back at um, as an example. One of the beautiful things about uh, being a believer, being in God's family, is that you get your church family, right? And so God sent uh, to me, um, just out of his goodness, just other people that were healthy and awesome that I got to look to that I didn't have, you know, from my natural family. And so I remember specifically after my dad died, um, God sent these three men into my life. Um, and each one of them kind of, kind of had a, a little bit different kind of attributes of what a great father is. There was Randy Owens, Paul McDonald, and Larry Grayson were their names. And Larry was the, a pastor at a church, and he took me in. I lived with him for three, four years, and he was kind of this shepherd and kind of this spiritual father. And Randy Owens was this businessman. He gave me a job and put me to work and kind of helped me navigate that and helped me learn to provide for myself, take care of myself. And then Paul McDonald was just this awesome, fun guy that showed me that marriage could be fun, that being a Christian man could be awesome. And so God sent me me, even though I didn't have it in my natural family, he sent me um, these people that I could look to. And so as Katie and I have, you know, started our own family, we, we draw from people in the church. We look at, you know, man, I love the way that, that they talk to their kids. I love the way that this father, you know, talks to his daughter. I love the way that this couple manages their money. I love this, you know what I mean? So we would, we draw out of the people of this church, the things that, that are awesome and make our own awesomeness. So... That, that's amazing. And do you, do you think even retelling your story, I don't know about um, you, but for me, when I even think back where I was and where, where, what my reality looks like now, I'm just amazed at the goodness of God. And, and that the, like, sometimes we don't realize it actually. We're not where we wanna be, but we were not where we were. And just like how much God has restored back to us. So I don't know about you, but that really encourages me what Mike says. It also makes me remember what the goodness of God along my journey too. So that's so incredible. So thank you for that, Mike. Amazing. What about you, beautiful Des? Um, 
I have a similar as far as what happened in church that helped, but I started off um, a lot of cycles of family dysfunction that were throughout my family. I actually had never, ever seen any healthy family. There was a lot of abuse, um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, drug addiction, alcoholism, just a lot of violence that went through. I actually grew up in and became an adult swearing to never have children and never get married because I thought, why would people do that to you? Like, why would you put some, why would you create a person and put them through this? Like, why would you get married? What's the point? Like, this is like, why would anyone choose to do this to themselves? And so I didn't even, I hadn't even experienced that. And so I had a completely foreign concept to it. Um, but because you tend to, what things that you're not healed from, you tend to repeat. Um, I did end up pregnant at 19 with my son in an abusive relationship with a lot of things going on and, and went through a system of a lot of abusive relationships, a lot of sexual promiscuity, a lot of just craziness, even um, Emma knows all of my spiritualism because I actually grew up, so my family was a Christian family. We went to church um, and my father, even up until the day he died of a drug overdose, he was a, he believed Jesus loved him. He believed Jesus was gonna heal him. But the choices that he made, I looked at God through what I saw and I never went from my own experience of it. And so I wanted to get as far away from that as possible. And so I went to like spiritualism and witchcraft and all kinds of other stuff. But God is so good. He takes every every single piece and he always brings his children back. And so we found C3 through a friend and I didn't want to go, but my son actually fell in love with the C3. He was just like, no, we have to be here. We have to go here. This good has job, to be Brian. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Brian. Um, and so we did stay, and and through that, like Mike said, I, I got to see healthy families. Uh, I joined a connect group, the Higginbottoms Connect group. They were outstanding, and I got to see them like, oh, wow, you can have a dinner and not have arguments? Like, people can drink and not get drunk? Like, that's this is a thing. And so it just grew in my heart just something that, that created um, a desire that I didn't have there before which was really, really beautiful. And then through that, I ended up doing the internship. I was Pastor Drew's intern for two years, which was incredible, an incredible experience. And not just for the internship, but for the position it put me in to allow people to speak into my life, to allow to have really awkward and serious conversations about things that I didn't know were not okay to be doing and just set proper boundaries of things that had not ever been discussed with me. Even just to certain things like, Emma had a conversation with me about the way that I dressed which I had no idea. She that. has those conversations with me all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. I'm like, this is amazing what I'm wearing, oh. but apparently not. <laughs> That's not appropriate. That shirt's a little... T- <laughs> um, but it, in, in all seriousness, it, it, it healed me in those hard conversations and those relationships and positioned me in a place where I was able to um, be prepared for the husband that, that God had intended for me. And it's beautiful because the restorative part of it is that as much as I committed to, like, I'm going to make a change for my family, the one thing that I felt so much guilt about was that I had still put my son in a position of not having a father. And, and, and God took that and restored it too with Isaac in that he is the most amazing father to my son. And he and my son lacks nothing for, for what we have been given. So it's just, it's such a beautiful thing. Like God uses all, all the things that the enemy meant for evil, God uses for good. It's amazing. Actually, and I, just to credit Desi, um, 
actually uh, at a, I think it was called DNA Relationship or something yeah. way back in yeah. the day, but uh, it was probably five years ago or something like that. Um, I, Katie and I were teaching a course on, on uh, it was before South Campus was even a thing. And uh, she came up and, and Katie and I prayed for her. And I just thought it was really um, so cool that you, you were so just um, willing and open to, to allow God to heal you and put yourself out there. And then I had a really unique perspective because then we started South Campus. I got to know Isaac really, really well. And I remember hanging out with Isaac and him, him just saying, hey, man, I'm really believing for, for this wife and da-da-da. And so it's just been so awesome to see how these two people really like pursuing God wholeheartedly, not, not you know, desperately trying to find a husband or a wife and really like seeking God first and, and God healing some things and getting some things right in both of them. And so now here we are. What an incredible story. So beautiful. And now look, Desiree is just amazing. And, you know, Emma, I'm just so proud of you, Des. Like, uh, you know, just, just your story. And I think Desiree's story is a really uh, a good illustration of, of what it actually, what, what can happen with somebody who makes a choice to get planted in the house of God, make the choice to be teachable, to be open, and uh, you know God's just done so much in you and through you, and what a great, what a great testimony, what a great story. Thank you, thank you so Started much. Started from the bottom, now you're here. Exactly. Now the whole team's here. There's a song about it. Oh my goodness. Dr. Lisa. <laughs> Did you want to add any more raps into that? Oh, and maybe, sing. if it comes to me, Kanye's a Christian now, so it's... Now it's fine to be a rapper. Side note, new Kanye album is awesome. If you haven't listened to it yet, I'm into it. Anyway, there you go. Dr. Lisa. Well, the banner over my life from a very young age was the word rejection. My mom got pregnant with me in high school. My dad was actually her teacher. Not a good scenario. And uh, they had a very violent, tumultuous relationship. And one, my, my sister and I would hear them fighting all the time, you know, in the house. And one morning she got up and she came downstairs with a bag on her shoulder. And we said, where are you going? She said, I'm going to work. And she never came back. And so my sister and I were left in the care of this guy who had his own, had a lot of family-ish of his own, you know, a lot of significant issues and uh, very violent, very abusive, uh, drank all the time. And he didn't know how to take care of two young girls, so he didn't buy food. And in fact, I had a neighbor who would come over and bring us food because we were, you know, kind of pathetic and, and not taken care of. And so... Um, as a result of that, you know, the, the damage in my life, the brokenness, the fear, the torment, you know, my dad was really abusive and he worked at night as an undercover cop. And so my, my sister and I, these little girls, we were home at night by ourselves. And so sometimes we would sit with our back in the corner with a knife, you know, like to ward off any perceived intruder, you know, we were just scared all the time. But I think scarier than him being away sometimes was him being there. And if you've grown up in a, an abusive environment, you know kind of what I'm talking about, like does just every kind of abuse. And so when I was 17, I decided I was done. I'm leaving, getting out of here. I left the home, but you know what I took with me, of course, right? took my own baggage with me, all that fear, all that shame, all that torment. I took it with me. I tried to run, and I lived a life of a party girl in Miami. I was just, you know, living the life. I was a college cheerleader. I, I had a lot of one-night stands, a lot of abusive relationships, a lot of dangerous situations I put myself in because I didn't have a core sense of value, you know, of who I was as a daughter of the king. I didn't know that, and so I really lived out that, that idea that I had no value and no worth. But God 
The Bible says that all over, but God, but God, but, but God intervened. And uh, through a campus ministry in my secular college, I was introduced to the Lord, got plugged into a discipleship-based church, a word church like our church right now, and just totally transformed my life. I began to see healthy families. I began to see involved parents. I began to see people eating dinner together. Had never seen that. Had never eaten dinner with my family. Had never been told, I love you. Saw parents telling their kids, I love you, right? So it was a whole, it's a parent paradigm shift. And so, um, so as a result of that, and I met my husband, there's a whole other story there. It's amazing. But he had his own kind of dysfunction that he brought in. My, he's shaking his head in the back, like no dysfunction. Okay. I, could, I saw that, buddy. Perfect. I saw that. You know, for, for us, like my parents married and divorced seven different times throughout their lifetime. So we did not have that model. And Adrian, again, had his own. But our pastor, he believed that God could bring two people together and that you were married. When you stood on the altar, you were going to commit to that relationship, come hell or high water, come sickness or health, right? And in poverty and in riches, you were going to commit. And so he actually had us cut the word divorce out of the dictionary while we were in the ceremony. I know that's very dramatic. Yeah, someone said cute. Yeah, it's very dramatic. But the, the point is, it's a, it's a covenant. It's a commitment that we make to one another. And so, so through that, you know, we saw a healthy family. We saw restoration. We saw hope for our own future family. I was afraid of having children. I was afraid, what if I don't have love in my heart for a child? And if any of you know my kids and our relationship now, you, it's hard. You, don't, you can't smell that smoke on me because God just gave me that love. He increased my capacity for love. And so I just, you know, for all of us, I know we're sharing some gnarly stuff up here, but we're trying to help you look in the rearview mirror of your life and see God's hand as he's moving through. And he's, he wants you to invite him into the process and into the pain of your life because he is there to transform, you know, to transform our lives. Mm. Wow. Yeah, put your hands together for those stories. I think that like each of those stories would actually be a good episode of Jerry Springer. Uh, maybe even Judge Judy, depending on. Um, but I, I really think that what, what's beautiful about each of those stories is that despite what had happened, despite the, the past, despite what was your normal, you're now living in a new normal. You're now living in a, a new life. The cycle of dysfunction has been broken. And I just think it's really important for all of us to know that today, that no matter where you've come from, what you've, what's happened to you, uh, you can draw a line in the sand today and say, you know what? This is, this is where it's going to stop, right here today, 1 p.m., November 17th, 2019. I think that's the date. Yeah, um, you're right. That's, you're good. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's when I can draw a line in the sand and say, this is not going to be my future. And you may have come from a, a great family background, or you may not have. There's, there's probably a lot of people at both extremes. But I think it's really important to know that you, to, we are empowered to rewrite the story. I love that. And I just, um, you know, going a little bit into my story, many of you have heard it before, but growing up in a single mother household, not meeting my father till I was 19 years old and, you know, then finding myself married as a mum. I realise even now at 35 years old, like in my maturity in God and just in natural maturity, realising more and more that, hey, my normal isn't actually the abundant life like we read about in John 10, 10 at the beginning. And I, I hope that that's what this series is for all of you, helping you see that what maybe is something you've always accepted as, as normal isn't actually what God died on the cross for you to have. You know, like it's so easy for us to, to almost be, uh, just go with me for a second, but I rewatched Beauty and the Beast the other day. Has anyone watched Beauty and the Beast in a while? Come on, Disney Plus, it's coming. But anyway, watching Beauty and the Beast, and I was like, how is this a show that, that has been celebrated for decades? Because it's so interesting. The very thing 
thing that was keeping her prisoner, in the end she romanced and fell in love with. And I just thought that's so often what happens. Like at the beginning, we're really aware, aware that it's dysfunction, but then as time goes on, the very thing that's dysfunctional, we're actually like hold on to, like it's a security blanket. So I know for me, even today, I'm God's helping me separate actually what is his best and what is just something that I've, I'm just used to. So maybe I could put that over to you, at maybe Mike. Like, what has been some intentional decisions you've made to separate what was your normal to now what is your normal? I know you've been very intentional. The, the life you lived didn't just happen. Like, what are some intentional decisions you made in your marriage, in your parenting, to not have that repeat in your generation? Yeah. Um, so in our marriage with Katie and I, um, just give you a few just super practical uh, things. First one is just talking to the dudes. Um, be a, a prayerful man. Actually, media team, can you throw that picture up? We have that? All right, so that, that's 40 guys that got together last Tuesday at 5.30 in the morning right out there, and we prayed. And, and you know, if you're, if you're a lady and your dude's up there, I want you to know that every single one of those guys is, is praying for you, praying for themselves. To, they want to be better men, stronger men, better husbands, better parents. And so I would just encourage you men to be prayerful men, to to wrestle God to bless your family, to, to get rid of the junk that you're carrying, be a prayerful person. And, um, and Katie and I, um, actually we pray together every morning, every single morning. And if we don't, if there's, you know, the kids are going crazy, whatever, if it, it's actually become, that is such a normal thing for us that if it doesn't happen, we feel really weird and off. And I want to just like, I know, um, maybe, maybe that seems like a, like a varsity Christian thing and you feel like you're still on JV and, and that's fine. It's, it didn't, uh, it hasn't, we kind of grew into that and developed into that. And I remember a few years ago, we had a a guy um, come and speak here and he, he said that him and his wife prayed together every day. And I remember at the time hearing that and just being like, there is just, it just seemed like this insurmountable, like we could never do that. And then I remember just a few weeks ago, just kind of thinking about that. I'm like, wow, we, we do. And so I would just encourage you to pray with your spouse. Um, another one, this is a, uh, just again, a practical thing. And it's not, uh, doesn't, you know, it, everybody's don't, don't get religious with this and take this and, and every, every family's different. But Katie and I really commit to as often as we can, we go to bed together and we wake up together. Okay, and so uh, listen, if you work for UPS and you get up at 4 a.m. and your wife just had a baby and she's breastfeeding, don't wake her up, you're gonna get injured, okay? You're gonna get hurt, okay? So there's seasons, right? And so maybe it's not the season for that, but I would just encourage you, it's just something that we start our days together and we end our days together. Another really practical thing, just get out your notepads, uh, have sex, okay? (laughs) Sex is a great, great thing for your marriage. And there's just, I I know this is going to sound crazy, but there's sometimes the, it's the best way to fix things. Like you're just fighting and then you just have sex and it just kind of all goes away. You just, it's, what are we fighting about? I don't remember who cares, right? And so for, and we're, we're busy people. We've got small children. Um, we're business owners. We're super involved at the church. I'm like our schedules are crazy. And I know this may be TMI or whatever, but like we, we have to schedule it. Like it'll, it'll be like, we need to put this in the calendar. Like Tuesday night, are you busy? No, I'm not busy. Tuesday, it's happening, baby. And so I wanna just, it's like that important. Sex will, will do wondrous things for your marriage. And you know what? It's really fun too, so. So, uh, it's really cool. good, Mike. It's brilliant. Some good practical things there. I love that. It's brilliant. Sorry, my um, my phone's blowing up right now. All these calendar requests are coming in um, from Emma. 
Except, 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 except. Maybe. Except, except, except. There we go. Wow, okay, all right. So this sounds like a busy month for me. There you go, there you go. That was just the week. Oh, hashtag pray for Emma. Wow, well, beautiful transition to Desiree right there. Church was really spiritual today. Um, I love that. Like, there's so many, like, practical solutions. One thing you didn't mention, which I think is super cool, like, really good friends with your wife, and I know how much this meant to her as a wife. I remember that she telling me that you went and you were really um, intentional about putting some um, core values for your family. And I love when I talk to her in conversation, she'll bring up the core values in your family a lot. Can you maybe talk a little bit about how that came about and maybe encourage some others if they want to start that? Yeah, I mean, again, not having a healthy marriage and family to kind of look back on and draw from, like Katie and I, um, we, we have um, and have sort of crafted a real vision for our family, like, like what we want it to look like, what kind of parents we want to be, what kind of husband and wife we want to be. And you'll, if you, we'll talk to our kids and you'll hear us say, like, I'll grab my son and not forcefully, just gently, and I'll say, hey, <laughs> Zeke, that's not how Jaeger men behave. And so we take pride in the Jaeger name and we talk about, you know, five generations from now, people are gonna say, this is what Jaegers do. This is what Jaegers don't do. And so we have this vision for our family and it's a great thing for, if we kind of start to get a little off kilter, we can stop and inventory and say, hey, is this, is this the family that we want? No, it's not. We need, what do we need to do to kind of work our way back? And, and one of the things that we did, and I'm like, I'm not this guy. I'm not like a... I'm not like a corporate like, but we actually wrote out core values for our marriage and our family. And it was a, um, it was a, it was fun. Like we went out to dinner and drank wine and wrote down these, these 10 core values. And it's something that, that we go back to a lot actually. And I can't name off the top of my head. I probably should have memorized, but it's like risk, adventure, creativity, um, hospitality, um, generosity. And we have these 10 words. And so actually we filter a lot of our decisions through those core values as a family. Actually, I just um, quit my job and I'm stepping out in faith um, to do something that I feel like God has called me to do. And, and as Katie and I were kind of wrestling with that. We actually said, hey, risk is one of our core values. We're going to take a risk. We're going to be risk takers. And so um, that's been something that, that we actually use and filter a lot of our, a lot of our decisions through. So. And I think it's really important for, for all of us to, to, to do that. I think that those core values that we, that we intentionally create are going, and are going to become anchors that we can anchor ourselves to. They're going to become, uh, you know, the, 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 the decisions that we make are going to go through that filter. And I think that, you know, the Bible says that, you know, without a vision, we cast off restraint. Another version says we'll perish. It's quite intense, really. Uh, I wouldn't think that someone could perish from not having vision, but it, I think it's true. We should have vision. It's easy to have great vision sometimes for your career or for something else in your world, but I think having a vision for your family and being intentional and designing a future, like an architect or an engineer would design a structure. I think design your future. Be intentional about it. It's cool. 
I, I love that because that's really speaking to the fact that that healthy family never just happens. You don't just stumble into a healthy family. It's something that you're really intentional about. And can I just um, really, like I want to actually honour you, Drew, and every other husband out here, um, that, that really puts a very clear mission for his wife to follow. Like that word yeah. submission, we're called as wives to submit to our husbands. But I'm telling you, when, when the husband has a clear vision and a clear mission for a wife to follow, that's so that's such so refreshing. So if any husband out there, and I know Drew's had seasons where you know, he struggled maybe with me submitting and that's on me. I've had to remind myself actually the mission that, that Drew is, is architecting for our future. And it's submission is not hard then because it's just coming underneath a mission, which is intentional. So I love that. And Thanks, honey. I'll uh, accept some more of these calendar requests. <laughs> no, sometimes I just want to be held, you know. <laughs> I'm not just some no, not a piece of, meat. Piece of Australian meat. Oh my just be, goodness. I just want to talk. I want to talk it out. Oh my goodness. All right. So Desiree, um, just, I know, you know we don't have a huge amount of time, but I, I, people look at your life now. You have this incredible husband, this beautiful restoration story. But I actually saw that the restoration didn't just happen on your wedding day. Right. Like that day was really the harvest of a whole bunch of seeds that you'd sown in your single years yeah. that adds that. So I actually want to speak a little bit to the single folk out there because often people can hear your story and think, well, I've got to wait to, to sow into that until I meet the guy. But I saw you be really purposeful, like it's yeah. being talked about, in the years before you and Isaac um, got married. So maybe you could speak to that season of singleness. Definitely. Um, so th one of the first things when I started the internship, so me and my sister have obviously the similar background and we both got pregnant as teenagers in unhealthy relationships. But um, my sister, her and her now husband started going to church together. He got radically saved. They have like this amazing relationship together. And when I started the internship, she called me uh, really excited for me. And she said she was a little bit jealous of me because I was able to experience this relationship with God and this journey on my own. And when, you're, when you become married, you become one, and so you share everything. And so I, we got that, a lot of, I think, single people, we, we take for granted that uh, our first love is Jesus. And this is the only time that you get that relationship all to yourself. Not to say you do need to have your own time separate from your husband, but um, this is your time to cultivate that relationship and allow God to heal you without it compromising your marriage at all. Because if, um, if I hadn't allowed God into all of the broken pieces, um, along with very practically going to counseling, getting therapy, like getting some practical things, but allowing God into those spaces, if me and Isaac had met, which, funny enough, we actually started going to church at the same time. We didn't meet for four years of going to church. We went to the same church we never met. And it was very intentional on God's part to put those blinders on us because had we started dating in that time period that I first started going to church, we would have never gotten married. It would have been a complete mess. And so we allowed ourselves that space to heal so that we didn't come. A lot of the world wants to say like, oh, you know, two people come together to become whole. But it so much, like, I'm so grateful that we, were, we are two whole people that came together to, to create this beautiful marriage that we have. Um, because there's still messy pieces that we get to work out together now, but we dealt with a lot of that before, before that happened. And the other thing that I would love to, since we talk about the calendar requests, um, a very practical thing that, um, that 
Emma and God worked out with me is the issue of premarital sex. And I think it was something for me was actually never even on the table. My mom was like, please don't have sex in high school. That was, that was it. And, um, and that was the end of it. No one had ever even talked to me about waiting for marriage. And I think the world wants to teach it to us or like tell us from a God perspective, like it's bad to have sex before marriage and you're going to get in trouble. But it really isn't. And I had that moment with the Holy Spirit where I realized that I wanted to reclaim my purity. And then Emma was so brilliant and had this conversation with me. I was asking her questions and she explained to me, it's not, it's not that you are, that God wants to keep something from you. And that's never the case. God never wants to keep something from you. God always wants to give you the best and saving yourself for marriage is such an incredible experience. It's, and I can tell you because I've had sex outside of marriage and I've had sex inside of marriage. And it's such a beautiful experience that you are, are, are sharing just with your husband or just with your wife. And it's such an intimate moment. And I don't know if this is just because I come from like sexual abuse and things like that, but every relationship, even some of the healthy ones that I had before Isaac, at some point I did feel to kind of piggyback on your joke, I did feel like a thing at some point. And there was no covering and there was nothing that was there to solidify us. And I am so grateful that me and my husband were, were wonderful and, and followed and honored God's covering because I never feel like a thing with him. It's just, it's such a beautiful thing to, to share that loving and that intimacy with someone with so much security. My goodness, we're so, come on, give Desiree a massive hand. And can I, can I actually honor you, Isaac Ruiz, and all the men out there, like, you know, you've loved her so well, and I thank you for that. Like, I'm telling you, as a pastor, it's a little scary sometimes knowing her journey, like, like what, but when, on, on your wedding day, I remember just thinking, this is, this is the good news of the gospel outworked. Like, it was so beautiful, and just the, the man you are for, for Desiree and her son, like, we just honor you today, Isaac. You're an amazing man, and we're thankful for men like Isaac. All right, I know we um, only have a little bit longer, but I love that we've talked about marriage and singleness. I think it'd be really cool to talk a little bit about parenting. And what I love as your friend, Dr. Lisa, is uh, watching the way you parent. You're a real inspiration to me. I am an only child and, you know, um, living away from a lot of my family. So I'm looking as well for, for who do I want to parent like? And my eyes always, you know, rest on you and Adrian and just the incredible kids you've raised. And not just in your own home, but you're raising a lot of other kids being a, an educator in, in college. I see you just constantly pouring into the next generation. So maybe you could talk a little bit for parents out there or people that are in a position of influence with young people, how we can set them up to not have a life of ish in this area of family. That's so great. You really hear the common theme of intentionality across all of our stories. And I want to just anchor that word in your heart because everything we do needs to be intentional, whether it's in parenting or in friendship or in, in our marriage, we need to be really intentional with that. So when we look at Gen Z's, that's a, they're born 95 to 2000. 2015, so you know our, our typical teens today. Just like all of us, they have great characteristics and they have some challenges. And so we wanted to spend just a moment to talk about some of the challenges they're facing and what we can do proactively as parents so that we can ensure them that they'll succeed not only in the world, but in their walk with the Lord, because that's obviously the most important part. So one of the big things that we see is there's a huge fear of failure. We see a lot of anxiety and depression 
And that huge fear of failure, there's actually a, a term now that's been coined duck syndrome uh, that describes Gen Z's. It's like you see a duck and it's floating along on the surface of the water, looks all chill on the surface, right? But what's happening underneath? Oh, the feet are paddling like crazy, right? And that's, that's a, a, and when I say that to my Gen Z's at, at school, they're like, yes, that's how I feel. You know, they're trying to keep up this facade. And of course, part of that is the social media culture that glorifies the perfect when there really is no perfect. But as parents, we want to make sure that we're setting them up for success. And one of the ways we can do that is the Bible says that especially fathers are to, to raise up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And nurture is that caring, compassion, like, I love you, you've got this, you can do it. But admonition is the correction. And what we're seeing is that we have a generation that hasn't really been corrected a lot. You know, they've been nurtured a lot. That's half of it. So we need to bring that correction balance. And if we've been, you know, in abusive relationships like, like Des and I have, and, you know, kind of coming out of that environment, it can be scary to discipline our, our children. The Bible has the, the, the role model of how to do that. So get around this Christian community. And just like Emma was saying, you know, get around people who have that role model who can feed you in that regard. But the snowflake culture, you've heard that term, right? Yeah. That's, a, that's a result of not having discipline, not being resilient. And so we want to train our children to be resilient. The second main effect that we're seeing right now is the, uh, for texting, you know, their online relationships there. They're spending about 65% of their social time online. And so they're lacking those interpersonal skills that a lot of us grew up with. So we want to definitely, as parents, moderate that. The ghosting culture, you've heard of ghosting and the loneliness epidemic. Those are all symptoms of, ha you know, having a relationship only on the phone. God's wired us for that face-to-face -face connectivity. So modify that for all, all experts typically agree that two hours a day screen time is the max. If there are kids in here, they might be mad at me right now. My kids hear it all the time, but that's, that's the max that we should really, that for healthy development, that's two to adult, zero to two is no screen time. So, uh, so we want to modify that as parents. Then we see uh, the hypersexual culture, which is, um, it's actually called the hookup culture today. If you want resources on any of this, please come talk to me afterward. I'd love to share with you. But the, uh, the, the promiscuity levels, which is that having sex outside of marriage, the cohabitation, living together, 51%, high rates. And then the sexually transmitted disease rate is like 8,000 a day, 3 million a year for the teen population. They're actually 50% of all the STDs in our country. So that tells you that there's a lot of promiscuity. So we have to be parents who say, your body is created by God and it's holy. And the, in the, the creation of sexual intimacy is for the, the, the marriage institution. The Bible says the marriage bed. So that, that's what God created that for. And so we have to live counterculturally. So we want to make sure we're, you know, we're aware of what our kids are taking in, the music they're taking in, the, the messages from media, because it's all telling the opposite. You know? So we want to be careful to protect them. Teach them value, that they have value. I know my daughter said when, I was, when she was four, she said, you're God's holy person. Princess, I was like, yes, that's a word for yes. I'll take that download from the mouth of a babe. And then finally, this generation is considered to be largely biblically illiterate. They don't know the word. They don't read the rule book, so they don't know how to play the game, right? So as parents, that's our responsibility to train our children up in the way they should go so that when they're old, they don't depart from it. That means reading the Bible together. One in 10 Christian families, Barna says, read the Bible together. That's not enough. Some studies say that kids are getting 15 minutes a day alone with a parent. That's not enough. So we may have to cut out some things from our schedule that are competing with our core mission values, the values of our family. We might have to cut out, you know, maybe we're playing three sports. Maybe we cut back to one. 
or maybe we cut back to none, or maybe we're doing things that compete with the family. We might need to cut some of that out because where our treasure is, the Bible says, our heart will be also. So the things that we value the most, we need to make the most intentional effort in investing in those things. Amazing. Come on, teach our child children the way they should go. They won't depart from it, the Bible says. And I love it in this family-ish series that we've got a bunch of, like, I don't know, that encouraged me as a parent. Like, I'm going to do everything I can to have my kids not be a statistic, be someone who can carry health into the generational lines. I love that we've got a whole bunch of curse breakers here that are changing the script on what their family was to now what it's going to be. I love that. So good. Well, I think um, in this last couple of minutes we've got. I think it'd be really cool, Pastor Mike, for you just to, just to pray for everybody in here today. Maybe we could all go ahead and stand to our feet. And, and uh, I don't know about you, but I really feel like this, this could be a, a powerful moment for some people that, uh, you know, at C3 Church, we always say this, we, we don't just do church to, to give you great information, although there is an informational element of church. We, we really are interested in seeing transformation in people's lives. And uh, we don't want people to walk out of church saying, oh, this is really, really informative. I learned something. That's, that's good. That's one level of success. But for us, the ultimate level of success as a church is, is seeing lives transformed, seeing, seeing cycles broken off of people and, and all, that, all that's what I've just talked about. And uh, I, I love each of these stories because it really gives people hope that no matter where they've been, no matter the mistakes that either you've made that you need to forgive yourself for or somebody else has made that you need to maybe forgive them for, uh, I think it's great to know that the future can be bright, that, that you can draw a line in the sand today and say, I may have come from dysfunction, but I do not have to stay in dysfunction. I may have come from addiction. I don't have to stay in addiction. I may have come from, uh, you know, oh, my father was, was in prison. My grandfather was in prison. That's, that's my debt. No, no. You have to come, you can you can draw a line in the sand so they and break generational curses and generational um, even just bad decision making. Uh, let's not over spiritualize something. There could just be people making really bad choices. You can break that, and uh, you can you can forge a new way. So, Pastor Mike, why don't you why don't we raise our hands? Let, let's uh, let's have Pastor Mike pray over everybody today. Yes, God, we just, uh, we, we uh, as a church people, we say that we love you, God. We know that you're for us, God. Your word says that you are a father to the fatherless, God. And so for all of us who, who have not had a healthy family um, modeled to us, God, we look to you first, God. And we thank you for your church, God, for the, the family of God, our brothers and sisters that we can lean on to strengthen one another, God. I pray that we would always be a church that is fresh, real, and powerful in Jesus' mighty name. God, I want to lift up every marriage right now, God, in Jesus' name. God, I pray for um, just next level communication, God, next level fun and adventure over all, uh, every marriage represented here, God. And I just declare right now that where there is strife, there will be breakthrough in Jesus' name. Where there has been uh, disagreement and discord and disunity, God, we just uh, release a wave of unity over marriages in our church, God. We declare that the marriages of C3 Church will minister to our city, God. We will see uh, the divorce rate in San Diego decrease because of the marriages in C3 Church, God, that there will be such health and vibrancy and fun that people will say, man, what is happening in the married people of that church? And God, we will know it is because of your goodness, God. So we release a wave of reconciliation, God. I just see, I prophesy in Jesus' name that there are conversations that are gonna happen tonight at dinner tables, God, tonight um, in bed of, of, of husbands 
husbands saying, I'm sorry, wives saying, I'm sorry. There being grace, there being understanding, there being peace in Jesus' name, God. And we, we lift up every parent, God, every family unit, God, that you would give us wisdom, God, wisdom to, to nurture our kids, but God, also to correct them, God. May we always be a people who commit to being teachers, to teach our children how to live, how to, how to follow God, how to live out his purposes and his precepts. God, I want to lift up every single person to uh, up to you today, God, that, that God, they would, that there would just be a sense of calm that would come over them, God. There wouldn't be this striving and this seeking. I've got to find a husband. I've got to find a wife, God. But they would instead look first to you in Jesus' name, that they would deal with their own baggage. We just declare healing over our single people, over our young adults, so that they can enter in to a marriage um, just ready and prepared and just um, uh, ready to launch out into a great, great thing. And I just, as I'm praying, I just hear um, uh, there's there's married couples in here, and you're not in crisis. You're not, you know, marriage isn't falling apart. Your marriage is great. And I just hear God saying, next level. There's no reason that a great marriage can't be greater. So God, we pray over every great marriage, God, and we just press in and we ask for more in Jesus' name, God. More fun, more communication, God, more intimacy, uh, more sense of purpose in our marriage. God, bless every marriage here today. Thank you for this incredible church, God. We love you. And everybody said, amen. Come on. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.